0: Very good morning to you. It. it is Money Talk at sixteen minutes past eight. Uh, time for us uh, to move to our discussion around uh, the news stories this morning, and uh, let's say good morning and welcome as normal on a Thursday morning to Enzo von File, capital preservation specialist at Financial Shield. Uh, good morning, Enzo. Good morning, James. And also good morning to Mark Franklin, managing director and senior portfolio manager of Multi Asset Solutions at Manulife Investment Management. Good morning, Mark.
1: Good morning, James.
0: Well, thanks for both of you uh, for being on the show. Um, I guess no surprises. Uh, the interest rate uh, does not get changed by the Fed. Uh, Mark, um, did that come as a bit of a shock or perhaps not? In
1: short, no, it didn't come as a surprise. What was interesting, I think, pertinent, was that uh, Chair Powell highlighted that the recent rise in bond yields, particularly at the long end, mm-hmm. Uh, played its own part in tightening financial conditions so effectively shared the burden with actual rate increases as well. So that's an acknowledgement they're watching bond markets and yields quite carefully in the velocity of the moves. And pre the meeting, effectively no further interest rate hikes have been priced in by the markets. And in fact, there have been a slight further reduction in pricing for future meetings as well. I think that is an appropriate reaction. But uh, Powell also emphasised that they will continue to be data-dependent, and the language change around the resilience of the economy is an acknowledgement by them that actually the economy is holding up better than they might have expected a few months
0: earlier. Well, let's face it, you know, earlier in the the year, everybody was talking about a US recession. Doesn't look like that's going to happen, Mark, does it? We
1: still think that there are the conditions in place for the US consumer spending growth to slow down over the coming months. On the flip side though, the other swing factors are important to highlight. The US government is presiding over a period of very, very loose fiscal policy. Government expenditure continues to grow strongly, and that is also a component in GDP growth. And at the same time as well, there are secular shifts afoot here, whereby the US is seeing quite a significant reshoring wave of industrial investment. So even if the US consumer does slow down, which is what is our base case for the next few months and quarters, there are other offsetting factors which could keep this period of growth chugging along for somewhat longer.
0: Mm. Well, we shall see, Enzo. Um, no interest rate change. What are your thoughts there? Did that uh, come as any uh, surprise to you?
1: No,
2: I, I agree with, uh, with with Mark. You're totally the. He was just alluding to this. To also our, our concerns at Financial Shield about the U.S. recession, the property sector is already beginning to slide. The waning home builders' confidence, depressed home builders' confidence, is the is lowest since January. The plunge in existing home sales in America has fallen to levels last seen in 2010, and the skid in new mortgage applications, the lowest that they've been since 1995. Now, if that isn't telling you about a slowdown, and I don't know what is, because the property sector, as we all know, anywhere in the world, is very much a bellwether. The only area where I would take a little bit of an issue, maybe, is that, yes, there is some fiscal expansion around the states. First of all, how many roads and bridges can you really build? But also, about 50% of that expenditure apparently seems to be in debt servicing these days, because the, the, the budget deficit is just so gargantuan. So that's just worth bearing in mind, I think.
0: Uh, U.S. GDP uh, grew at 4.9% in Q3, so maybe not totally um, bad news, Enzio. And uh, Jerome Powell um, pointed to the solid pace of activity it saw at its September meeting. So uh, he's pushing some of the sort of so-called good news, isn't he?
2: Yes, he is. Um, but again, he's being the typical economist that's telling you the obvious with 2020 hindsight. Um, <laughs> and- It will lose a little bit to this, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. Well, the alternative, I don't know who who it would be, but I can say, hand on heart, that America's economic time is worsening. Worsening, yes. The Fed is actually reducing the amount of money in the system, monetary policy, monetary money supply M2, according to John Greenwood, who designed our peg after all. Um, has contracted for the first time since 1933. That's a couple of years ago, frankly. It's exacerbating this tightening by issuing more, um, withdrawing further liquidity by reducing its balance sheet size. And so a lot of smart funds just continue not investing. That's the best advice. Don't invest at present because it's a very shonky situation with the, the worsening economic time in America. And of course, also these geopolitical problems that we've got.
0: Don't invest at this time, um, Mark. Is that um, you know something that you see as potentially a good piece of advice? We would
1: definitely take the view that we we would recommend to be selective. We are finding pockets of opportunity which don't necessarily just totally depend on the broader equity market or the broader fixed income market increasing in value. But under the hood, we do find opportunities which not only have created a bit of a valuation opportunity with the recent pullback but also align with our longer term secular investment themes as well.
0: Um at one point uh, or not uh, the interest rates are going to come down. How long is it going to take do you think till uh, Mr Powell will uh, will move with that in that direction? Is it are we talking uh, a few months or are we talking years? Uh, do you think Enzio, before we'll see some change on that side?
2: Well, my view from the top is it's more Table Mountain than Matterhorn. In other words, this is what Hugh Pill of the Bank of England recently coined, this Table Mountain view of South Africa, that they're going to stay high, I think, pretty much throughout, next, throughout all of next year, because there's such a structural supply-side level of inflation, so strong oil prices, the weather mucking up the food prices, supply, supply chain issues. These are on the supply side, which the Fed um, is not looking at because it's so stuck with its demand driven too much money chasing too few goods model that it doesn't really want to expand the distance. But I'm more Table Mountain than Matterhorn. I think they're going to stay up and stay stuck for quite some time with the bond yields probably, if anything, moving down a little bit over time, but certainly the short rates staying up.
0: Mark, do you agree with Enzio's Table Mountain analogy? Are we plateauing there for a while before anything uh, uh, serious happens?
1: If you look at market pricing over the last six to 12 months, the rate cut that the market had originally expected have continued to be pushed back and, in some cases, pushed out. But so that is an acknowledgement both of the resilience of the economy, but also the persistence of core inflation. There's another fact as well, which we've already touched upon, that the Congressional Budget Office in the US, is projecting multiple years of elevated fiscal spending. Now, admittedly, partly for debt servicing, as NCO mentions, but we're in a new paradigm here of, of higher for longer fiscal deficits as well as higher for longer rates. And so this huge wall of <coughs> supply of new issuance, which needs to be presided over by the US Treasury, not just now but in the next year and beyond, needs to be priced at an attractive enough level to attract outside buyers. And that's probably another reason why yields and rates won't quickly or perhaps at all go back to from whence they came uh, prior to the last couple of years.
0: Now, obviously, here in Hong Kong, we're so closely connected uh, to to the US uh, through the peg. Um, but what about the rest of uh, Asia? Uh, what, what are we going to see in interest rates across the region? Uh, how does this uh, decision or, or no decision by the Fed uh, impact uh, our other markets here? Enzio, your thoughts perhaps first on China?
2: Well... My thoughts on China are very divorced from the interest rate policy of America. They're all totally married to the centralization of the Communist Party rule in China, which is Mr. Xi is obviously entitled to his view, and he's done some things which are right, obviously. We know that. But I just think that the sidelining of the private sector, making it really, or making it very difficult for the private sector to do what it does best which is to create 80% of employment. That's kind of been thwarted so much that I'm afraid that the more recent data coming out of China is just not happy data. And I'm afraid that that's going to last regardless of whether the plateau, the table mountain crumbled into a Matterhorn later next year.
0: What are you seeing, mark in uh, in China? Is that uh, something that you're looking as a positive outlook, at least in the maybe me- medium to longer term? There's
1: definitely a growing uh, sense of urgency around the need to introduce growth supportive policy measures across the, the set of policymakers in China. And that creates the potential for putting a floor underneath the negative momentum in in the cyclical growth indicators that we saw for much of this year so far. It takes some time. It's like turning a large tank around, given the complexity and the scale of the Chinese economy. But we do sense that the growth has moved up the agenda of priorities and also trying to ensure financial stability, particularly via targeted measures for the real estate sector, but also ensuring that uh, there isn't a wave of bank defaults, or at least there are means by which they can maintain their solvency.
0: Are we seeing any other sort of bright spots uh, or, or lack of bright spots uh, across Asia? Um, the BOJ in Japan increasing the flexibility around its yield curve control uh, policy, and obviously interest rates in Japan you know, have been uh, uh, very low compared to uh, elsewhere in the world. Mark, uh, quick thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, the Bank of Japan's um, meeting this week was was interesting because the day before, there was an article in the Nikkei suggesting that they would effectively relinquish their yield curve control framework and and their yield um, targets. Now, what actually transpired was a very, very subtle adjustment in in the approach whereby that 1% target for the 10-year no longer became effectively a limit, but was more, let's say, for guidance reasons. So that created the potential for more flexibility I if you look at price reactions, market reactions to it, um, overnight interest swap uh, rates in, in Japan didn't move that much, still slightly above 1%. Um, there was an initial move to weaken the yen against most currencies, specifically the dollar as well. That's come in a little bit, uh, and that, that's a sense that this is more of a subtle rather than a significant change. But Japan faces an interesting situation now because households and their approval ratings for the current government have, have dropped precipitously because households are concerned about their loss of purchasing power as a result of a weaker yen and rising inflation. You've got reported in core inflation well above the 2% target right now, but the Bank of Japan and the Ministry of Finance still contend that that does not signal a permanent achievement of that 2% target. And they still project by 2025 that inflation comes back below 2%. Um, So the government's under a lot of pressure here to to try to assuage those concerns Mm -hmm. of households. So there may actually be some movement on the on the political front, even before the monetary policy funds.
0: China, very important um, to Japan, as it is to many Asian economies. uh, Enzio, do you see that linkage between China and other Asian economies uh, continuing to be of concern?
2: Uh, Yes, I want to just get back to Japan, if I may, because adding on to what Mark was saying, which I agree with the I think a key thing is to keep the yen sort of at its 150, 151, if not lower level, maybe even down to 170, because they want to spend important inflation to get a justification for wages, which is still negative, as he was saying, wages growth, to go up into the positive and to get consumption going again. So I think that's something to watch on. We're actually quite optimistic on Japan, excess supply of money, excess supply of goods, and the economic clock. And that then would suggest that at least it's, if you must go into Asia, then go into Japan, go into Indonesia. Also looking pretty strong there, um, mm. but China just avoid with a barge pole because of things that are very much out of one's control. Which is is Xi's, um, mm. his his political philosophy, which is just fine. It's just not that of a which will, I don't think will is which will induce growth.
0: Enzio Von Feil is Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shield. Thank you, Enzio. And thank you also to Mark Franklin, Managing Director and Senior Portfolio Manager of Multi-Asset Solutions at Manulife Investment Management. Yes, thanks uh, to both of you for joining us.